One day in the spring of 1998, I decided I would go away that following summer as a leader on a holiday camp for 11 to 14 year olds. And so I did. And a fantastic time I had too. It turned out not just to be a one-off and I went for the next couple of years too and I enjoyed it more and more. And then in the year 2000, the leaders said to me, Philip, we're going to stop leading this camp and we want you to take over. To be honest, I should have seen it coming, but I was daunted nonetheless because these were good people who had done a fantastic job. And while I knew I had to say yes, I was really worried. This was a fantastic camp, really well led with wisdom, passion and commitment. My big fear was that there was only really one possible direction for it to go under my leadership. And that was downhill. It is a daunting thing, you know, to take overall responsibility for a residential holiday for some 70 young people and 40 adults. There's just so much that can go wrong. But anyway, I took it over. And that first summer, we had a fantastic time. The kids loved it. The leaders loved it. Even I loved it. But when it was all over, I asked myself why it was so good. Yes, we had a fantastic site, a a beautiful old house in the middle of the countryside. We had some great kids. We had an excellent program of activities and we had a great leadership team. But somehow the whole thing seemed like more than the sum of its parts. It wasn't just those factors that made it so good. And then it struck me. What we'd done quite unintentionally was to build a community. That was what we became over those few days, a community. That was why at the end it was so hard to leave and why there were so many tears. We were breaking what had become quite deep bonds of community. So in the year, and indeed in the years that followed, we set about not being accidental, but being quite deliberate about building community. We didn't just want it to happen, we wanted to make it happen. Or rather, we wanted our God to make it happen in our midst. And of course, we didn't want to be any old community. We wanted to be a Christian community. As I thought about it, I realised that there are some things which control a community from outside, things like rules and regulations, and every community needs them. We had them, but we didn't want to rely on them. Instead, we wanted to maximise the factors which govern a community from inside. And for us wanting to build a Christian community, those were things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, which in case you hadn't noticed, are the fruit of the Spirit, Paul lists in Galatians 5. We wanted to build something truly different, something truly Christian a place where God was at work amongst us, a community created by the Spirit. That's what we wanted to build. That's what we wanted to be. Now, I wouldn't say we always succeeded, but I do believe that with God's help, we did do something really quite significant that made a real impact on the lives of many young people and on many leaders. And it made a real impact on me, which is partly why I'm telling you all this. I think the Lord used that experience to open my eyes to something we all too often lose sight of, and that is this precious concept of community. It's a subject which all too often we have treated as an optional extra in Christian living, 
but which is, I believe, absolutely fundamental to our being Christians, to the ministry to which we are called, and indeed to the life of this diocese. Year after year, amidst all those tears at the end of camp, young people would come up to me and ask, Philip, why can't church be more like this? And at first I would make excuses and fob them off, but I repented of that and said, that's a very good question. It should be and it can be. And I believe it should be and can be. And I believe passionately that if church is failing as community, it's not only failing its members, it's failing those who don't belong to it. And it's failing the Lord himself. Community has always been important to our God. You see that in the very first pages of the Old Testament. God only pronounces one thing, not good, before the fall. Everything he creates, he sees, is good but one thing is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone, says the Lord. Adam, the man, is not designed to be alone. He needs companionship. He needs community. The story of the Old Testament, the story of Israel, is a community story. It's a family history flowing from the marriage of Adam and Eve through the story of the patriarchs into the exodus through the time of the judges, the kings, the exile and the return. All that is a family, a community story. And we find just the same in the New Testament too. From the start, Jesus is in the business of building community as he gathers a ragtag group of people around him, often intentionally remodeling the community of Israel as in, for example, the choosing of twelve disciples. Jesus' instinct is always to include, and he castigates the Pharisees for excluding people from the community. And that's what gets him into trouble and leads him to the cross. But of course it is, ironically, through the cross that the community of grace becomes truly inclusive, including ultimately not only Jews, but Gentiles too. And it's a snapshot of that community that is brought into being through the cross that we're given in our first reading from Acts 2. Indeed, I think this description of the fledgling church is much more than a snapshot. It's not just a snapshot, but a blueprint. This is the very first glimpse of the Christian community we're given after Pentecost. And it's not accidental. In other words, this is what Christian community, formed and shaped by the Holy Spirit, is supposed to be like. It's not just a snapshot, but a blueprint, and a blueprint for us. This is what church, what Christian community, in the power of the Spirit, is supposed to be like. The Holy Spirit draws Christians together and creates community. Indeed, and I'll say more about this later in the week, there is an in-breathing that goes on here, as by the Spirit, breath of the Spirit, people are drawn into Christian community. And of course, the Holy Spirit doesn't create any old community. The Spirit creates Christian community, a community in which, surprise, surprise, the fruit of the Spirit are very much in evidence. This is a place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit draws Christians together, breathes them in together, and when God is let loose amongst his people, this is the kind of community he creates. A community of devotion, both to God and to each other. A community of generosity, peace and intimacy. 
a place in which belonging mattered much more than having a true community of the Spirit. This community is actually a fulfilment of the prophecy and promise of Jesus in our Gospel reading. In John 14, Jesus promises his disciples the gift of the Spirit. And what will happen when the Spirit comes? Verse 20 spells it out. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. It's an image of intimacy, the intimacy, the community, which the Spirit creates. And that intimacy is emphasised in verse 23. Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. The community which the Spirit creates is a place of intimacy, in which we're not only at home with one another, but at home with all that that implies, with the Lord himself. And to go back to the community we see described in Acts, the community the Spirit creates is not only a place of intimacy, it's also a place of mission. Or rather, because it was a place of intimacy, it was also a place of mission. These first Christians didn't set about to do mission particularly, it just happened as by the Spirit people were breathed into this community so that, verse 47, day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And that shouldn't surprise us. There is something powerfully attractive and missional about genuine Christian community. It was the warmth and intimacy of a group of Christian friends that helped me come to faith as a student in Southampton. True spirit-filled community is powerfully attractional. But we can't presume upon it. If the quality of our community is good, people will be drawn in, breathed into it. But if it isn't, then they won't. So I hope you can see from all of this why community matters. Community is not an optional extra, but an essential. It's fundamental to everything it means to be a Christian, because we're not called to be Christians alone, but together, and together we're invited into the community of love at the very heart of God, that through the quality of our community, others too might find themselves at home in the love of the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He creates community, he fills that community, and he draws other people into that community. That, in a nutshell, is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So what are we to do with all that as ministers of the Gospel? Let me suggest three things. For a start, we need to take a stand against the rampant individualism of our day, that sees self-actualization or self-fulfillment as the be-all and end-all of human existence. We have to say, it isn't. Too much of contemporary life, and we're not immune, encourages us to act as little idols at the centre of our own little universe. So much of that goes back to René Descartes and his famous proclamation, I think, therefore I am, which puts the single rational, enlightened human being at the centre of all things. But it is not the fact that we can think that gives us our identity. It is the fact that we are, in, are, with, that we are in community with the Lord and with each other. No Christian should ever say, I think, therefore I am. But we can say, and what we must say is this, we are loved 
therefore we are. We are loved, therefore we are. That's what gives us our identity, our hope and our purpose. It's the love at the heart of genuine community and the love at the heart of God which most fundamentally and powerfully gives us our identity, our hope and our purpose. That is what it means to be born again of the Spirit of God, to find that we're loved and alive and living in deep community with one another and with the Lord himself. And that's our good news that we are called to share. So we have to change our way of thinking. And secondly, we have to change our way of acting. We need to accept the incredible invitation to enter into the community of the Spirit and to go on accepting it. Because we know how drawn away we can be, how isolated and egocentric we can become, which is why we need acts and signs of grace, like communion, to draw us back into community. We need to accept the incredible invitation to enter into the community of the Spirit, recognising that that involves not only a radical openness to the Spirit himself, but a radical openness to one another too, knowing that you cannot have the one without the other. The Spirit's ministry to us may be deeply personal, but a fundamental part of his personal ministry to us is to draw us into community with one another and into the community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And thirdly, as ministers of the gospel, we must see ourselves as builders of gospel-shaped, spirit-filled communities. Everything that the gospel is must be made manifest in our communities, so they must be places of welcome, of penitence, of reconciliation, of hope, of challenge, of peace, of grace, and of love. Everything the gospel is must be made manifest in our communities. And we must commit ourselves to being builders of such communities, communities devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship and to the prayers. That is our calling and a very wonderful calling it is too. All this that we find in Acts 2 has deep resonance for the churches and communities we lead and serve. Of course it has. But I do want to stress that it has immense importance for us as a diocese too. We are called not only to be builders of community, we are called into community ourselves. And this diocese is a critical community into which we are all called and in which we must play our part. I've said to my colleagues on my staff team recently that the quality of our community as a team together matters because it has an impact far beyond what we might imagine. Indeed, it, it, it has a missional quality, much greater than we might think. And that is true for us too as a, as, as a diocese. We as a diocese, as well as locally, need to be a spirit-filled community into which people may be drawn, breathed in by the Spirit. In recent years in this diocese, many of you have seen how fractured relationships, broken community, can be deeply damaging to the ministry of the gospel. But the opposite is true too. True Christian communities, such as you have been building over these last few years, in which the bonds of love are deep and strong, is powerfully missional. And I'm deeply aware of my own responsibility to be a builder of such community. Years ago, when I was having the equivalent of a ministry development review, my then boss asked me what I thought God's call on my life was, and I said, 
Oh, it's to be a builder of Christian community shaped by and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's to preach and teach in the context of that community. And it's to exercise leadership in the community in a way that allows others to blossom and flourish. And it just came out like that. So I thought I ought to write it down before I lost it. But I know that that's what I'm here in Winchester to do. Indeed, it's the only thing I can do, really. But I'm here to do it for you and for us all, and indeed for those beyond us too, precisely because such a community is deeply missional. We must enter into deep community, both human and divine, so that the world might believe. It is no accident that Jesus prayed that we might be one so that the world might believe. Of course it wasn't. There is a deep longing in the human heart for real human community. And there is a deep longing in the human heart for that fundamental community that is the eternal trinity of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So the quality of our community really matters, not for our sake, but for the sake of those we lead and serve and for the sake of those who don't yet believe because it is above all in the context of loving, spirit-shaped community that people find faith in Christ, as day by day the Lord adds to our number those who are being saved. Brother Samuel of Franciscan says this, I sense that the renewal of both the church and society will come through the re-emerging of forms of Christian community that are homes of generous hospitality places of challenging reconciliation and centres of attentiveness to the living God. Let me just repeat that. I sense that the renewal of both the church and society will come through the re-emerging of forms of Christian community that are homes of generous hospitality, places of challenging reconciliation and centres of attentiveness to the living God. By God's grace, may our churches and communities and this diocese be just such places that this world our Lord loves so much might believe and find itself at home in him. Amen.